The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. We got a lot to talk about. We got some special guests on here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I am your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel. We're going to dive into some Oklahoma football. We're going to talk about a few other topics like possibly OU basketball and all kinds of developments for Norman. So I'm going to go ahead and just make this introduction short. We're going to bring in the special guest with us today. We've got George Stoya over from the Sooner Scoop side. What's going on, my man? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. No, thank you for pulling up. We really appreciate it. We're going to dive into it. We got Coop as usual. Coop, tell the people what's up. What's going on, guys? Uh, good to see you here on a nice hump day Wednesday night. And, uh, yeah, George, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for hopping on. Uh, I know that your time is valuable, so uh, – We'll, uh, we'll only have you for the next two and a half hours, and then we'll let you get back to your life. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to uh, hold you hostage for longer than three hours. So just, you know, we'll, we'll make sure to do that. Perfect. But the chat's going to start getting busy in a bit, but uh, let's talk uh, ball, man. So first off, George, I, first off, like I say, I appreciate you pulling up. You have been boots on the ground all up in this OU arena situation, man. Talk to me. What's going on with this? Does it does it look good for the passing? Are we going to get an entertainment district with the new arena? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of optimism that this is going to happen. And I know there's some skepticism out there that, you know, last time with the University North projects in 2017, that didn't go through. And a large part of that was, you know, obviously the city council voted it down by one vote. Um, and some of that was, you know, the taxes and how it was going to be funded and, um, you know, a lot of people in the city weren't behind it. This is totally different. Uh, you know, 80% of this will be funded by private sectors. Uh, the money's coming from elsewhere. The other 20% is coming from public funds. The city and county won't have to pay a dime for this. Uh, it's still unclear exactly where they're getting this money. Um, I think it'll be different corporations and things like that. I think OU will end up foot footing some of the bill. But uh, this definitely feels like something that will actually happen. And I know last time, you know, OU didn't really support the University North Project towards until towards the end, really. Uh, this is a little bit different. They're supporting it from the beginning. Also, the city and county came to them this time, whereas OU kind of went to, went to them. So uh, it's a little bit reversed of what it was last time. So I think it's going to happen. I know there's still some people within the athletic department, within the university, that are a little skeptical. I mean, the city of Norman has just not been great in terms of getting things like this done in the past, uh, but it does feel like there's a different vibe. It's going a lot quicker. I mean, we're going to get a vote from the city council sometime in the spring, maybe even early January, February, somewhere in there. Um, and if that's the case and the momentum continues, then I do expect it will pass. Now, after that, you're talking about another you know, three or four years before this thing actually gets built. So we'll see. Uh, what the basketball program looks like, you know, in five years from now. But right. I do think there's some optimism it's going to actually happen. Well, that's the plus. And then, of course, sure. getting ready for the SEC is probably the yep. most important thing that we're, we're doing here because it doesn't feel like we're SEC ready. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, the mayor talked about that today is some of this is the city realized a couple of years ago when OU made this announcement that the athletic program is ready. OU feels like they're ready as a school. But is the city of Norman ready? And you hear things about, you know, Campus Corner, what that might look like. I know that there's some people that were at this event today that 
are talking about totally revamping Campus Corner. What does that look like? Uh, and then providing more things like hotels and amenities and, and bars and restaurants. And that's what everybody looks at the arena, right? And rightfully so, uh, when you talk about this new entertainment district, and that's going to be the crown jewel of this thing and why it, it actually works. But all the things around it, you're talking about new hotels, ones like the Noun Hotel that's been extremely successful over there on Campus Corner. So that's what this is about in the end is, hey, we're going to have a whole lot more people, an influx of people coming in these next few years. And, and the mayor even said, hey, we're not ready. We, we are not SEC ready right now as a city. But they think that this project will kind of put them in that same tier as some of those other uh, SEC college towns. That makes sense. Coop, go ahead. I know you had a question. Yeah. Um, so do you think that any chance that the, the tailgating lack of success this week, and if that were to continue, does that have any effect on, on, the, on this type of a vote? I mean, obviously you're wanting to see what does the support look like if, you know, we go out and we did some campaigning for the past, you know, two years and change. Do you think that has any effect on, um, on how that vote comes out? I don't think so. Um, I think it's a separate issue and, and that's really, and I've talked to a lot of people this week, about the tailgating situation. It's a university problem. Um, it's also somewhat a fan base problem and we can dive into some of that if we want. I'm, I'm willing to call out some of the fans for that, but, um, you know, I think it's more, this is more of a city thing saying, Hey, we need to have the infrastructure to host the amount of people that are going to come in from an Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, whoever's coming to town because those crowds, while, you know, TCU fans may not travel a whole lot, you know there's going to be a ton of Crimson Tide fans coming to Norman um, you know, next year. So I think that's more of a city thing uh, in terms of the entertainment district, whereas the tailgating scene, I think there's a lot of issues both within the fan base uh, as well as some of the policies that the university has um, you know, come up with. And, and again, we can dive into that if you guys want to. Oh, yeah. You know, and you make a good point there. I, I think about like with Auburn, you know, how good of a basketball team with Bruce Pearl being the head coach there. And those those fans will travel in a midweek game. I don't know how they do it, but, you know, it feels like most of them don't have jobs, but they will do it. They will travel across the SEC landscape to go to these games and fill up these help fill up these arenas, arenas and, you know, battle it out. So getting that new. Uh, location, where is it looking to be at? Because I'm hearing that it's gonna, t it's kind of a trek away from campus. Yeah, it's it's over um, kind of northeast Norman, and it's one of those areas that um, it's. I think it's the same, pretty much the same area as the original project over there off of I-35 in Tecumseh. Um, you know, by that by the airport, and that's kind of the thought process. Is you know, the airport is, is kind of that location where people can fly in. It is about 10, 15 minutes from campus. I asked Joe Harris today, the OU president, you know, what was that a concern in terms of, um, you know, students going to the games? And he said, no, they said that actually they think it's going to be a superior option because of the stuff around uh, this new arena and the retail and, and bars and restaurants. Um, he also thinks the traffic won't be an issue over there. So it sounds like they put in some research to this. We'll see. I mean, I tweeted it out today. Student attendance is 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 great when they're good. Uh, I don't yep. think it matters where they play. Uh, it's more about can the basketball team win? Because if they're winning, I mean, I was a freshman when Buddy healed and then went to the Final Four. That place was packed every single game. Uh, and so I, I think that that's something that has to be passed to play in is, hey, they just need to be good and people will show up. Or yeah. even with that, just having a player like a Trey Young caliber, right. that's just a world beater, that's fun to watch. If you have a fun to watch player, 
it attracts the fans. I've seen this. I went to I went to Trey Young. I watched Buddy play, and I went and watched uh, Trey play, and I'm just like, man, this place is packed for a game that you wouldn't think anybody would be here for. It was mainly because you had a fun player to watch that was going to get drafted high. So, yeah, we got to do one of the two things, win a whole bunch of games or bring in a uh, transcendent talent, right. which is kind of hard when you're doing recruiting. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think that there's also something to be said that – you know, it being closer to Oklahoma City, some people, you know, that live, live in the 405 can make the easier trek. And maybe on a Monday or Tuesday night when when they're playing a big game, more people are willing to come up there. Whereas, uh, you know, you don't want to make the 30, you know, 40 minute drive, um, you know, up to the LNC. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, obviously, and then, you know, it, the closer it is, you know, back up here to Tulsa you're going to get some more buy-in that way too. Because yep. again, it's, it's just when you hit that, that flood exit, it just is sometimes just that stress and anxiety that you go through just right there enough is, uh, it is tough. So, you know, as close to the city, I mean, that's good. That's going to be it, but yeah, it, it's going to need a, you need to, uh, get a Blake Griffin, um, a, you know, a Trey, a Buddy Heald. And, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to see, uh, what's that called? Uh, Porter Moser, hasn't had it on his team. Athleticism, uh, athleticism is coming <laughs> yeah. to the team here. So maybe, uh, maybe we start taking baby steps. Yeah, no. And I, I think it's one of those things too, that, um, the, the size of the arena will matter, you know, it being only 8,000 seats, whereas the LNC I think is what around 12,000 or so right now, uh, will make it a better environment. I think people will be more willing to go and like I said, if they build all these nice bars and restaurants, I think just more people will be willing to make an evening out of it. Um, so, yeah. and they're they're going to use it for other events. You know, they talked to you know Rayford Young, Trey Young's dad was there today, and he talked a lot about bringing in AAU games, uh, which could help with recruiting. Um, you know, things like that, and volleyball tournaments, wrestling tournaments, all of that stuff. Uh, I think will will kind of help with that. That's a good point. Okay, let's talk football, George. You've been yeah practices and everything, and um, this week, we've got an actual matchup. I actually heard someone say this out loud. J.D. Pakel from on three, side to say that he feels like SMU is an upset watch against Oklahoma. So based upon what you've seen in practice so far, does that make sense? Because me personally, it don't at all. Yeah, I mean, I look, I haven't seen SMU practice Um but I think that Oklahoma has its eyes open on this. I know there's a lot of people mm-hmm. out there that uh, look at the schedule and see SMU. And, and I, a lot of people, myself included, have said all offseason, first real test is until Dallas, right, uh, when they play Texas at the Cotton Bowl. I think SMU might be one of the better teams on their schedule. When you look at yeah. the talent that they've brought in in the transfer portal, the quarterback they have in Preston Stone, a former five-star guy, this is a group that can be dangerous. Now – I fully expect Oklahoma to win. Uh, if they play to the level that they're capable of, they should win this football game. But SMU is a dangerous team. I mean, this is a team that expects to win 10, 11 games this year uh, and play for its conference conference championship. I mean, it was picked uh, to finish second in the AAC behind Tulane. So uh, this is a talented group. You, you I mean, you look at the program itself. They're going to the ACC in a couple years. They feel like this is kind of one of those prove-it games uh, that they do belong in the Power Five. So, and again, like I said, there's going to be names that you see make plays on Saturday. You're like, oh, I remember OU recruited that guy, Jordan Hudson, uh, who obviously played at TCU last year, transferred in. Phenomenal wide receiver. He's a guy that can make a lot of plays downfield. 
LJ Johnson, their starting running back from Texas A&M, Jalen Knighton, their backup running back from Miami. Uh, you're talking about, I mean, Corey Roberson, who played at Oklahoma, he's going to start on the defensive line for him. So you've got a, a handful of guys that have played really high caliber football for power five teams. So I, again, when I say it's an upset alert, maybe, uh, but I do think, and you can even see the tone and the way Brent Venables approached the press conference this week versus the way he approached it last week, uh, mm -hmm. much more serious, much more to the point, uh, very quick in his answers. Uh, I think that this coaching staff and these players are taking SMU very seriously. Cause again, you look at these first five games and they're not going to face a better offense in the first five games than what they're going to face on Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, uh, I mean, obviously uh, with stone at quarterback, um, it, it was just crazy. Uh, just, I mean, he, he's coming out and he is um, he's got some train. He's got some wide receivers that are going to be able to really, really test, uh, test the uh, defensive backfield. And um uh, what would you say that uh, is the matchup to watch? Is it is it more the offensive line of Oklahoma versus, or sorry, the defensive line of Oklahoma versus the offensive line of SMU, or is it the uh, wide receivers and tight ends uh, against the backfield? I think it's the the wide the SMU wide receivers versus the secondary. I, I I do think I know everybody out there is worried about the pass rush and getting after the quarterback, and that's that's going to play a huge role in Saturday. You you want to get after Preston Stone, you want to contain him. You know, setting the edge is going to be crucial, special, especially in some of the RPO stuff that SMU is doing. But uh, SMU has a lot of playmakers at receiver, and they're going to test those corners and safeties. And, and I know we all sit here and say, oh, well, they got so much better at safety and corner. And, and I, I believe that. I think they're more talented yeah. there. Um, but for them to be tested this early is going to be tough. It's going to be there. And they're going to get beat. That's that's the that's the truth. They're going to get beat at times. Uh, on Saturday, it's how do they respond? Can they get enough stops? And I think they will. I mean, that's the thing is I think Oklahoma is going to score enough points to win this game. Uh, it's can the defense get off on some of those cr you know critical third downs? Make sure that Preston Stone doesn't escape the pocket. Those sorts of things. So um, I think it's it's more so can they slow down some of those receivers in the big passing game? You know they had some big explosive plays um, down the field last week against Louisiana Tech. I think they had a, you know a 67 yard touchdown pass. Um, in that yeah. game. So that's going to be key. And that's kind of what I'm watching is, you know, can a Gentry Williams, who's only made one career start, you know, have a big game. Uh, he looked great last week against Arkansas State. I think you know what you're going to get in Woody Washington. But what does that back end look like with Billy Bowman, Reggie Pearson? What does Justin Harrington look like? What are some of the formations? You know, does a Peyton Bowen get in on certain situations in, in the dime package and those sorts of things? So that's kind of what I'm watching. And I do expect the defensive line to do better this week. Um, you know, our Mason Thomas being back, we've heard that he's been the best pass rusher in camp, him and Trace Ford. So to have our Mason Thomas back this week, I think is going to help them a lot in that pass rush that everybody's a little bit concerned about. Yeah. For, for those that are just joining us, we got George Stoyer from the Sooner Scoop and on three sports. We're talking about the game coming up this weekend. And so the one thing that jumped out to me matchup wise, and you just mentioned it, our Mason Thomas making his return. We the defensive line versus our offensive line. I went and looked at their roster, and their offensive line is kind of small, except for that left tackle. So I guess the blind side to Stone is about 300 pounds, but everybody else is roughly in the 280s. And so to me, I'm curious to, to what y'all think about this. This is, goes out to the panel and also to those in the comments. Do we anticipate seeing some max protect from SMU like we saw from Arkansas State, which will slow down our ability to get sacks? Or do we think that they're going to have to find – because I 
do, do we think that they're going to find a way to get rid of the ball very fast without having to go fully into max protect? Because I think that they have to get rid of the ball due to the fact that our defensive line is a hell of a lot bigger than theirs, their offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that – I look, Rhett Lashley, the head coach, is one of the better play callers in college football right now. I mean, he's going to come up with some schematic things that is going to make it difficult, and I think it's also going to make it where it gives Preston Stone maybe some extra time to test those corners down the field. Um, mm. you know, So I do think we're going to see some of that max protect. I mean, let's be honest, but we saw from Arkansas State – their quarterback did have some time, and there were some passes that uh, were just dropped, uh, plain and simple. And they had some they had some open receivers, so I'm sure they saw that on film. They're going to test that again this week. So I think you're going to see some max protect. I think you're going to see them get the ball out quickly. They run an up tempo offense. You're going to see them be much more fast paced than what Arkansas State was. So I, I do think you're going to see some of that stuff. Um, but I also think you're going to see Oklahoma do some things differently schematically on defense. I, they blitzed you know, quite a bit in that Arkansas State game, but they didn't do a ton of stunting. Um, I think you're going to see some twists and things like that. Um, again, I think this coaching staff knows that they're going to have to bring it, bring their best to um, you know, win this game. And, and you know, I, I, again, are they going to be throwing out you know, some crazy formations? I don't think so, but I, I do think that it'll be a little bit more open than what we saw last Saturday. Coop, you see, you you thinking that, that that that's the direction you gotta go? I could, as Coach Marcus Dent here pulled up, he expected more max protect as well as them getting ball getting the ball out quickly because that size, that offensive line there is just so small. Like like what are we gonna? We should be able to run right through them. What what I I mean what I expect also is um, you saw it with Gentry Williams on that uh, on that that one play uh, you know right at the end of the quarter uh, last week. I, I think that with Bowman and Pearson and um, and Gentry, I, I think these receivers, when they catch the ball, they're going to announce what happens when you catch the ball. You're going to pay a toll to catch the ball against this Oklahoma defense, you know, in this iteration of uh, 2023. And so if they get the ball out quick, it's going to be the game tackling. And that's what, you know, really what I enjoyed watching last week was, you know, rallying to the football, people getting in chips. And, uh, you know, again, the Reggie Pearson uh, shoulder to the uh, shoulder to the quarterback on the sideline or Gentry Williams just just I mean, just destroying that guy's livelihood. You know, those those are things that we want to see. And again, this is a game that I think is, uh, you know, their offense is going to challenge us, obviously, more than last week. Um, but where I don't think that uh, SMU can really hold up is on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, because you get past that, um, they're, you know, they're, they've got a decently, um, you know, a decently experienced uh, first string defensive line. And uh, I think I heard Gabe and Teddy, so I'm going to steal this from them. But <laughs> when you get, when you get, um, the tempo going on, we're going to wear them out, throwing it side to side, getting them running. And as soon as they sub, they're not going to be allowed. They're going to have to call timeouts to get people back on the field because there's a significant significant drop off in, in that defensive line. George, what do you see out of the defensive unit for SMU? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're starting units, a, a decent group. Um, Alex Kilgore, you know, is a guy that, that's played a lot of football for them at linebacker. He can he can rush the passer. Um, you know, the guys up front, I think they have pretty much a, a whole new defensive line, kind of like Oklahoma uh, from the portal. But like you said, you know, we heard this term all offseason, but I'm not sure SMU has the competitive depth that Oklahoma does. 
Um, George, so, that's our that's our drinking drink, uh, yep. word. You got to drink when you drop the competitive. <laughs> I got some water right here. Sweet. Going <laughs> uh, in the game. But uh, but yeah no I mean I I think it's it's a decent group right um, up front for SMU and, and again I think this plays into the way the game will play out which is I think SMU is gonna be able to hang around for a quarter or two and then Oklahoma should pull away in that second half right I mean this is a group that they, they emphasize you know finishing games and that's what you want to see on Saturdays I think SMU is talented enough to stick around make some plays keep them in the game um, but at the end of the day I, I think you're right I think that they're gonna be able to wear them down and. Uh, we're going to see how they handle the game management, too. I know that that's been a big question mark uh, this offseason is how is Brent and this and Jeff Levy going to handle the tempo in a, in a close game or a game that, hey, you know, you're up 14 on a team that can score a lot of points. Maybe the offense should go on an eight minute drive uh, to put the game away. Um, you know, I think that's going to be interesting to see play out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Oklahoma should be able to run the ball. I think they'll be able to find some things in the passing game. I mean, I thought Dylan Gabriel looked great last week. I expect them to hit some big plays in that as well. So um, we'll see. But I, I feel I feel really confident about what Oklahoma is going to be able to do offensively. It's just what does this defense look like against that uh, that high powered offense for SMU? Good stuff. All right, we, we we've got a guest here, so make sure y'all drop in the comments and give him some questions. We'd like to get George some questions before he jumps out. But I've got some. So I have a question here in practice. I know that we were dealing with some injuries post-game. You know, you got Desan mm-hmm. McCullough that was doing a little bit of injuries. He uh, he came out the game after like two plays last game. You saw um, – who else? Uh, I think Josiah Wagner didn't even get to play due to injury. Our Mason Thomas is coming back now that he's healthy. Uh, Drake Stewart is gone, was out. We saw Dolby come out of the game. How do we look as far as injuries go that you've seen or heard rumblings as far as practice goes? Yeah, I expect Drake Stoops to play. Um, he's He was out there at practice yesterday, no sling. He looked like he had gone through full practice. So I think Drake Stoops will be back. Uh, DeSaul McCulloch was still in a boot yesterday at practice. So we'll see. That's usually not a great sign. It's, it's you know, on, on a Tuesday to still be in the boot. Um, you know, I think it's also a precautionary thing. You don't want to rush him back, especially with an ankle injury. You just don't want to tweak it again. Uh, they will have Gavin Sawchuk back, R. Mason Thomas. Uh, Davis Bevel's out for anyone who cares. Um, but uh, <laughs> I feel uh, bad for him, man. <laughs> I do too. But he, he'll be out for, I think, another few weeks. But uh, okay. in terms of Josiah Wagner, I think he'll play. Uh, Makari Vickers is another freshman that we didn't see. I think both of them were very close to playing last week. They went through warm-ups. They were, they were suited up. I think if it was a bigger opponent, you would have seen them. Um, okay. And, you know, those two guys are guys that have really stood out. So I wouldn't be shocked if they get in the rotation, especially Wagner. I mean, there's some people that thought he might start on, on last Saturday. So uh, I think they'll be back. Uh, we'll see. We haven't really gotten a ton of injury updates. Um, but the only one that I would say that I, I think is doubtful is McCulloch. Do you – obviously there's, there's been a massive roster turnover. You um, spent some time covering my woeful Denver Broncos. And um, so obviously being around NFL bodies – uh, who's somebody on maybe the offensive, defensive side, maybe one, one on each side that you're like, that that's an NFL guy, like based off everything that I saw, um, you know, this, this guy and this guy, because I mean, it, you know, we all love this and we all love OU. And sometimes, uh, you know, there's guys that we think are going to do a lot better than, than they end up going. So what, g- give us a couple guys that, you know, really catch your attention when you're out there at practice. 
Well, first off, you have to start with Tyler Guyton. Um, he's the obvious answer. He's a guy that I, I think he could be a first round draft pick. Um, you know, uh, he is incredibly talented. His athletic ability and size is just stuff you don't see. Um, I, I think he could go in the first round. I, I think that entire, I, I've said this on the unofficial 40 uh, on Sooner Scoop that I think there's a chance the entire starting offensive line gets drafted other than McCabe Matower. Um, I, I think Andrew mm-hmm. Rame could get drafted. I think he had his best game as a Sooner this last mm-hmm. Saturday. Sa- Savion Bird's ceiling is incredibly high. I don't know if it's as high as Guyton's, but he's a guy that I could easily see get drafted. And then Walter Rouse, um, I didn't realize, I was not familiar with his game, um, as Shaq, <laughs> as Shaq would say, but he, yep. he is a guy that, is he a first round draft pick like Anton Harrison? No, but he is incredibly technically sound. He's actually bigger than Anton Harrison. I, I don't know what his wingspan is, but he's an inch taller and actually about 10 pounds heavier. So he's a big dude uh, when you think about how big Anton Harrison is. So I think he's like a, a, a maybe a day two, day three pick if he has a really good uh, final season here at Oklahoma. So you're talking about four guys on the offensive line being NFL players. So they're all, I think, in there. I, I think at wide receiver, I think Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson have the body types to be uh, NFL guys. Andrew Anthony as well. Um, you know, Andrew, he's got to have a really big year probably um, to, to get into that. Running back, I don't know. I mean, we can get into running back. I, I, I want to see more from that group. I think they're really they're really deep there. I don't know if they have a superstar. Um, you know, quarterback, uh, Jackson Arnold's an NFL. He's got an NFL arm. It's it's just, you know, can the mental part click? And I'm sure it will. It seems like he's an incredibly smart kid. We just, it's just going to take time. Defensive side, um, DJ Terry is an NFL-sized guy um, on the defensive line. It's just so hard in the NFL to, to, you know, get a spot on the defensive line. Cause there's so many talented players there at times, yeah. um, you know, but he could definitely be a body that I think floats around for a bit. Um, PJ Atabare, I mean, he is, he, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I named all those guys and didn't name him uh, right off the top. I mean, he's somebody that you see him in person. You're like, that dude is different. Oklahoma's not had a guy. I don't even think the Broncos had a guy that looked that good. Maybe Bradley Chubb, yeah, uh, who now, who's now with it. Now, now who's now with the Dolphins, but, um, and you know, Chubb couldn't stay healthy, but you know, PJ is a guy that, you know, if he can put it all together and I want to see more of him on Saturday and and I think we'll, we'll see him more as the season progresses, but he's definitely an NFL guy. Danny Stutzman's an NFL guy, Jaron Kanick, um, you know, I interested to see what happens with Billy Bowman. Um, you know, I, I think he's a little, he's a little undersized, but, uh, you've seen smaller guys make it back there at safety. Gentry Williams, NFL guy, uh, his body type is, you know, perfect for the NFL in terms of corners. So they've got NFL talent. It's more so you got to put it on tape. Uh, the mental side has to be there. That's a huge part of it. Um, and, you know, covering the NFL, I don't think people – I never realized how hard it is to really make a 53-man roster. I mean, uh, for mm-hmm. DeLaren Turner-Yell, he's a guy that just made the Broncos 53-man roster again this year. Um, you know, that's incredibly – uh, impressive for him to do that. And he's a, he's basically just a special teams player. So there's a lot of guys on this roster that could probably be special t- core special teams guys for an NFL team. But those are some of the guys, I mean, Tyler Guyton is number one on the list though. I mean, he's a, he's a first round draft pick in my opinion. Same. I'm in the exact same thought process with that. I got a good question from uh, Stephen G on here. Curious. What is the main thing you've seen from year one and year two in comparison for this roster? 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't here last year covering the team, but, you know, I, I, I followed him closely, um, you know, being somebody that uh, is from Oklahoma and just, you know, having covered the team previously. But I think it's just a comf- uh, comfortability with what they're doing, um, whether that's the culture or the system. Um, you know, the defensive players, I think, have all talked about it uh, in terms of this is a complex scheme. You know, what they were running uh, under Alex Grinch was not that complicated. It was a very basic defense. And, and that's why they had success early on. I think under Grinch was, you know, it was very simplistic what they were doing. That is not the case with Brent Minimals. They are running, <laughs> di- running a lot of different coverages, a lot of different stunts and blitzes, uh, doing a lot of different things up front uh, on the back end. So I think that that's number one is players seem just more comfortable in what they're doing, the communication from the side. There wasn't a ton on Saturday where the defense wasn't lined up, right? Whereas if you go back and you watch that UTEP game, there was still a lot of confusion. Um, and people forget that UTEP game was only 21 to 10, I believe, at halftime. Uh, yeah. that, that was that was a closer game than people realize. And then obviously the next week, Kent State, I think it was, what, 10 to 0 at halftime. And, and it, was, I, it was close. It was, yeah. I, it mean, was, it was, uh, I, I believe that Marvin Mims scored a touchdown with 18 seconds left in the half to make it 7-3. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was 7-3. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, they, they struggled early in the season, whereas you – and again, they're playing Arkansas State, and we'll see what it looks like this week. But those are some of the things that stick out. Tackling, I think I tweeted out earlier this week, they only had three missed tackles on Saturday. Last year against UTEP, they had 13. Against Kent State, they had 22 missed tackles. They averaged almost 14 missed tackles per game last year. So if they can keep pace around you know, under five t- missed tackles per game, that's a really good statistic. So – uh, they're more physical. They they fundamentally look more sound. And then I think obvi- overall, they're just more talented. That's the bottom line. I just I, you can't tell me. And I hate to throw guys under the bus, but when you go from uh, Justin Broyles and Jeffrey Johnson, um, you know, on defense to either a Peyton Bowen, Reggie Pearson, and a DJ Terry. That's yeah. not a massive upgrade. Um, and even Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes to Rondell Bothroyd and Trace Ford. Those that's those are upgrades, right? Um, or a, a David Aguebu to a Jaron Canick or Kip Lewis, who I haven't even mentioned yet. Kip Lewis, I think, is yeah. going to be a great player. So uh, that's where they're more talented. I didn't even talk about the offense. I don't know if you want me to get an offense on that same question. But <laughs> defensively, that's the biggest difference is they're more comfortable, they're more talented, and they just look more fundamentally sound in what they're doing. Yeah, it seems like offensively going from year one to year two, and I'm, I'll definitely let you answer this one as well, but even just from me as a fan, the wide receiver room, one, our running back room is a little bit more stacked than it was last year. Uh, even with Eric Gray, as great as he did, I feel like the running back room is even more stacked now. We could potentially have two 1,000-yard rushers the way that things are established if we get them all to play. That's the one thing, though. That's the caveat because it doesn't seem like we're actually playing – our main runners much because we don't have to. It's one of those situations where we've got these games where truly up until Texas, do we really need to run Javante Barnes and Gavin Southchuck? I mean, do we really have to? I'd say we probably would do it at SMU just to really put a test out there, but we don't. Don't really need to after that from Tulsa to Iowa State. And well, I think Cincinnati may be more of a challenge the way that Emory Jones is playing. But besides that, looking at the wide receiver room, Goodness, Andrew Anthony. Jane Gibson is, thank God, he he has finally arrived. Something that we have been <laughs> waiting for since he's been here. 
because that six five frame now is being put to good use. And so offensively, what was that? What's that difference that you've noticed as far as from a fan's perspective, looking into it, and now someone that's actually covering the team? Yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, it's depth. Um, you mentioned it. I mean, I think the wide receiver room. Do they have a Marvin Mims in there? Probably not. Right. Um, you know, I think Marvin was an underappreciated player. He's uh, he's going to play a lot for the Broncos this year. Um, yeah. But I think that they have more guys. I mean, you think back last year, it was Marvin Mims, Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops. And that was about it. Uh, Theo Weiss, you saw some, um, you know, Braden Willis was a huge part of that, which, you know, tight end room is definitely not as good as it was a year ago. But, um, you know, I think that the wide receiver room, you just have more guys. Uh, and when you have more guys, you can stay more fresh. You can have guys go out and make better plays. I think that Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson give them more size than what they had last year. You can throw some of those those jump balls where you maybe you weren't able to do that a year ago. I think at running back, it's the same thing. They may not have an Eric Gray, who was a superstar last year for them, but I think they've got way more guys that they trust can run the ball uh, if someone were to go down. I mean, I think Gavin Sawchuk is going to play a big role this week. I think we're going to see more of him. I think he can be kind of their home run running back. Um, and then I would say, you know, offensive line, I know they had two draft picks last year at the tackle spots, but I think they're better as a unit this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Tyler Guyton earlier. Walter Rouse is really solid. Um, and then you think about the interior. Chris Murray was a nice player, but Savion Bird um, is there. I think he's a big upgrade there. Andrew Rame is healthy. Uh, and when Andrew Rame is healthy, he's a really good football player. I, I was talking to somebody the, the other day about this, but uh, think about how many plays last year that OU, the play just didn't get off to a good start because the snap was bad from Ro- Robert Conjol when Andrew Rame couldn't play. Uh, they, that threw off a lot of their pace and their tempo and that doesn't happen with Raym in the game. And he's also just a better player. So, um, you know, I, I just think that that offensive line is much improved. I don't know how much depth they have there. I liked what I saw from some of the backups, um, last week, but if they can stay healthy up front, I think they're really good. And then I'll say Dylan Gabriel, and I know everybody wants to see Jackson Arnold and I think Jackson Arnold is going to be a superstar when he gets his chance. But Dylan Gabriel was much improved on Saturday. Now we'll see what it looks like against better competition, but he was accurate. He was decisive. He looked very comfortable in the offense. Uh, he, you know, I, I think that he's, you know, personality wise, he seems like he's much uh, more comfortable talking to the media, understanding his role in the team. We, we've heard a lot about his leadership this off season. Um, I just think that he could have a really, really big year. And again, is he going to go win the Heisman trophy? No, but do I think he's a top 15 quarterback in college football right now? I do. I, there's not too many guys in the Big 12 that you could convince me are better than Dylan Gabriel right now. Uh, we haven't seen Jalen Daniels play yet for Kansas. I, I, obviously, the Big 12 Player of the Year, uh, preseason Big 12 Player of the Year. I, I don't think he played for Kansas this last week. It was Jason Bean. So we'll see what he ends up looking like. Quinn Ewers, there's still a lot of question marks for him. He's got a lot of talent, but his decisiveness has not been great. He can't hit passes over 25 yards down the field for some reason. So despite all the talent they have, but uh, Dylan Gabriel, you know what you're going to get typically on a down to down basis. So I, that from from the offense, they also just look like they're more efficient. They understand what they're doing, um, what Jeff Levy's asking them to do. So again, I think it's just, do they have the superstars that they had last year? It doesn't seem like they do just yet. They might, those guys might appear, but I think they definitely have more talent. George, you, so I'm going to bring up a name. And by the way, if you guys ha- have not 
Go watch some D.D. Westbrook film and then go watch Andrew Anthony from this week because yeah. I got some D.D. Westbrook vibes from him, and he, he looks like it too. I mean, if if Gabriel you know, gives 10 more yards on two of those pass interference calls, I, he, he strolls into the, into the end zone. And maybe that first deep ball too. But we heard, I mean, just our typical offseason push towards Gavin Freeman. Did Gavin Freeman, with all the offseason uh, hype, did he exceed or uh, come short of your expectations for him? Exceed, definitely. And, and yep. um, I'm working on actually a really big feature story on him. I'm hoping to finish it up tonight and maybe publish it tomorrow or Friday morning. Um, but his story is just incredible. You know, you, you think yep. back to um, his, his recruitment, uh, was really under-recruited, was going to go to Texas Tech, um, and, and obviously that ended up not working out. But um, you know, I think that he's a guy that you hear, you heard Brent Woodwell's talk about him at big 12 media days or at local media day. And I think everybody kind of rolled their eyes like, okay, yeah, Gavin Freeman. Um, you know, he's the, he's the most talented guy you got, you know, he is man. He's, 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 a, he's electrifying. He's a guy that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say most talented maybe, but he's a guy that can make, make things happen, man. Like he's, he's a, he's an electric, uh, player. He's lightning in a bottle as they would say. I mean, he, you saw what he did. It's just something when he touches the ball, man, he, they can't tackle him. And, um, you know, his mom was a gymnast, uh, growing up. I don't know if people know that his dad actually credits his mom with some of his flexibility and body control, his, his core strength. Uh, they say that he gets that from his mom who can actually do a standing backflip, um, which is pretty impressive. So, yeah. And so, uh, you know, he's, he's a kid that has great genes and, and, um, look, man, I, is he going to play on Sundays? I don't know. But uh, is, he a, is he a player that can contribute to this football team in a positive way? A hundred percent. Ooh, that's interesting. Didn't Yeah, mom is an athlete. And yeah, that's a standing backflip. Yeah. My knee hurts just thinking about that. So. <laughs> I, I, uh, I see Mike says Wes Welker vibes. You know, yeah. I get a little bit somewhere between Wes Welker and Percy Harvin. He's just got more burst, more lightning, more suddenness than than Wes Welker had. Wes Welker just knew how to set you up. And, I, I mean, in his second year, I don't even think Gavin Freeman really fully knows how to play the, you know, the spot yet. He's just, I mean, going out there with pure talent, and yeah. it just—I uh, mean, it just—it just blows my mind when you when you watch some of that. I mean, I, I enjoyed the punt return where he uh, had to cut it back. I think he ran longer on that like, thirty-yard yeah, second return. one. Yeah, yeah, I think he ran it longer. I mean, listen, I was in the stands when Antonio Perkins uh, did that against UCLA, and it was crazy because. Every single one of us, every time he had it, we were just holding the you know number three for the third one, and we were looking for a fourth one. And I mean, we haven't seen a punt returner like that since I mean since Perkins. I mean, anywhere to where you're like, because even with Mims, Mims was good the past two years, but when he was back there, you're like, all right, you know, let's see what you know. If something would happen, you'd be like, oh, oh crap. Well, I guess it's Marvin Mims. But like now, there's expectations every time the punt goes up, and you got to think that SMU saw that too. Yeah, yeah, I no. yeah, remember too that. Riley didn't let them recover yeah. do do punts either or kicks. It was more of a always, you know, do a fair catch, which annoyed the heck out of. Me. So many points were left because we gave up and abandoned the special teams. Yeah, and and Brent's kind of embraced that, right? I mean, he's he's all about everything matters, is what he says. Um, so I, I I you know fully anticipate them to let Gavin kind of 
um, do what he wants back there. Pretty excited about that. So depth chart wise, do you think, do you see any changes going to be made in this depth chart? Because I made mention on a video I made when we prepare for the season that depth chart week one was not going to be like week two. There's going to be some adjustments all the way. I say depth chart week one to depth chart week four. It's probably going to be borderline a lot of changes in comparison because it's Arkansas State. So it's a great time to put in the younger players or players you want to test out and see what they can produce. As we're looking at the backfield, I think the wide receivers are set backfield and secondary. You see any changes coming on both sides of those when it comes to this depth chart coming up for this uh, SMU game? I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more of Javante Barnes and, and Gavin Sachuk here soon. Maybe not this Saturday. I mean, I think it'll still be a pretty heavy rotation. Um, you know, I I, I, I love me some Tawi Walker. Uh, great story. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looked great out there. I mean, he actually, he I think he had the the highest yards per carry on Saturday. Um, but I, the ceiling is just so much higher for some of these other guys that I find it hard to imagine that they're not going to eventually kind of take over that room. So, yeah, I mean, I think by the end of the year, and even in the next few weeks, you're going to see more of Barnes and Sawchuck and even Marcus Major. Um, and I'm interested to see, you know, can Caleb Hicks or Dalen Smothers work their way up? I mean, I thought both of them looked really impressive in their debut. So, I, again, that that running back room, they feel so good about so many different guys that um, it's going to be fun to kind of watch which guy maybe emerges as that that workhorse um, or if they have kind of a, a one-two punch. Um, cause I think that that's kind of what they would maybe prefer. I think back to like 2018 when they had, you know, Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon mm-hmm. and you'd bring in Trey Sermon to close out a game. Right. Um, I, I could see a Marcus major, maybe playing that role or Javante Barnes, and maybe you start a Sawchuck who could be your big play guy early in the game, something like that. So, um, it's going to be fun to see how that plays out, but DeMarco Murray's done a phenomenal job kind of rebuilding that room in terms of the secondary, um, you know, I think Reggie Pearson's going to end up just being that guy at safety next to <laughs> Billy Bowman. I mean, I, I like Key Lawrence, um, and I think that he's made some strides, but he just does things that Oklahoma hasn't really had at safety in a while. I mean, he comes up and stuffs the run. Very physical guy. Uh, has played a ton of football. I mean, I don't think people realize he started as a freshman at Wisconsin yeah. as a safety. Had some injury issues. Goes to Texas Tech, starts there for a couple years. So he's played a ton of Power 5 football uh, very smart kid, very physical, like I said. So I think he's going to end up winning that competition. And, I, you know, Billy Bowman's not getting off the field. I do think we're going to see more Peyton Bowen. I think he's going to kind of move up the depth chart. Um, you know, he's a guy that, again, we'll find new packages to put him in. I just don't know what they'll exactly look like. I was anticipating that if we don't see much McCullough, we'll see Bowen instead. And that's probably going to be a gr- good thing. Not no shade to McCullough because I think he's probably our best cheetah. Well, he'll eventually – he has the highest ceiling at the cheetah row, uh, especially the way Harrington is playing. So I do anticipate seeing a lot more Bowen if McCullough is out. And like I said, that's going to be a really good, fun thing to see because that freshman is absurdly talented. Yeah, and we, we saw on Saturday they had Harrington and McCulloch in at the same time. Yeah. And I would assume you're going to see Harrington and Peyton Bowen in the game at the same time, you know, if it's a third and long and you can have Harrington, maybe be a spy on Preston stone. And then you can have Peyton Bowen out in extra coverage. We've seen what he can do with his ball skills. I can't, I, I just, again, I find it hard to imagine that they don't find a way. I mean, Brent Venables is known for getting his best players on the field, his best playmakers. And so you're going to see that throughout the year where a Peyton Bowen's going to come in 
on certain situations to come in and maybe make a play. That's a good point. That's sorry, a good, that's I a good m- muted myself. There. <laughs> always, always good, always good when you do that. I got the little dog wants to go outside, so he's freaking out. Um, hey, is the uh, is the is the Murdoch uh, Tolly Walker hate for real, or is 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 it a bit that he's just running with now? Uh, he's just running with it. You know, Murdoch, he's, <laughs> he's got his agendas. No, he's just, um, you know, I, I think that he, and he's got a point, you know, some of it is, you know, uh, them trying to play into, um, you know, the media and, and they know what the depth chart is. They, they know that they put that out there to kind of stir the pot and, and do some different stuff. But, uh, no, he, he actually, the other day, it's funny after practice, Tawi Walker spoke with the media and I look over and who's over there getting a one-on-one for you know five to ten minutes carrie murdoch with tawi walker uh getting a one-on-one interview so i kind of gave him a hard time about that i don't believe it i don't believe it he was he was he was splicing cat five cable in the office you know he He always is all right so we got some rapid fires on this one um who do you think is going to be the first is for you coop as well as george who do you think is going to be the first person to get interception Ooh, this season? Because mm-hmm. we have zero so far. I guess, yeah, there's zero. <laughs> um, I'll say uh, Woody Washington. I, I think that, I mean, he's he's had a lot in his career. Um, you know, it seems like quarterbacks keep testing. We got tested on Saturday. So I'll say Woody Washington. Okay, cool. I'm going to say Peyton. I'm going to say Peyton Bowen. He... Uh, he just keeps on getting, I mean, maybe this is stupid to say this. Maybe it's just me, but I think Peyton Bowen keeps on getting forgotten because we're so desperate for defensive line players that are going to be impact players that, you know, he just seems like a guy that if the ball is going to pop up in the air, it's like he went to back to the future and read that little sports almanac and he knows where it's going to drop. Like he just, he just seems to find the ball, but you know, I'll, 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 uh, caveat it, but yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, you're going to see deflection, uh, at some point. So I was going to say Kanek at, at the beginning, because I want to see Kanek with the ball in his hand, just taken off because I mean, he just looks like, uh, you know, he just looks like a, like a, um, a wildcat quarterback when he's running around out there. So, um, you know, either, either one, I see a couple Gentry Williams. What do you think, Jay? I, you know, and you mentioned Canick. It's funny. I love, love listening to Teddy and Gabe talk about him because they talk about how he's just so fast and he just does all he does is run to the wrong spot at high speed. <laughs> and it just makes me laugh because he's just that talented. He's he's a talented player that seems to be a ball hog, but at the same time still learning the linebacker position. So I'm curious to see if he's going to switch between from Mike to Will and – Stutzman takes over or Kobe McKenzie gets more game, more run or whatnot. But if I'm going to pick an interception, I think it's going to be Justin Harrington. And I feel like it's going to be off of like a tip from the defensive line and he's just going to be in the right spot and he's going to catch it. But if, if I had to pick someone in the secondary, I think it's Gentry Williams. So, okay. Sack. Who's going to get this? Who's going to get the most sacks in this game on this defensive line? Because we got one, and granted, it was all because of Max Protect All Game. Who's going to be our sack leader in this game? Bothroyd. I, he was so close. I know everybody's been talking about the pass rush. He was close on two or three uh, just last week. I mean, he almost had a strip sack on the on the one play. So uh, I think he. And I also I've said this previously, and I want to I want to reiterate this. I think he's going to be the most impactful player they got in the transfer portal this season. Um, he's a guy that can set the edge. He's played so much football. He can get after the quarterback. 
Uh, I think he is a really good player, and I think he ends up leading the team in sacks this season too. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I would I would like to see it be Trace Ford. I would like to yep. really, you know, because here's here's the thing is they were rolling uh, they were rolling away from from coverage uh, um, the the other day, and obviously with the uh, Max Protect and the you know the shotgun three steps you know drops. I mean, you had to be six yards in the backfield before he could do the three step drop because I mean it, it was just extremely uh, extremely fast. But you know, there's a lot of those other guys. You know, I my, my heart you know, goes out a little bit to Reggie Grimes um, and some of the older guys. But uh, I mean, I, I got to think that Trace Ford, just because this is game time, like he was out there, you got to think there's a little bit of him just going, make it through the game, just make it through the game. And um, as soon as he starts, you know, really keying in, I think that's when you'll see some explosiveness. But I mean, hell, let's, let's have a meeting back at the quarterback. That's what I, you know, if I am Chavis and Bates, I'm just saying, you know, every single time that you guys have a meeting in the backfield at the quarterback, you guys get five minutes off practice. Let's make it happen. Ooh, but okay. It's better than earning, better than uh, earning a discount off on socks, right? It's fair that's point. <laughs> I'm looking at Ethan. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good. That's a good one. That is real good. I'm thinking Ethan Downs. I think he benefits from everybody else's pressure, and he takes advantage of it. And he gets this. I mean, he got the one sack last game. So I'm wondering if that leads to him leads to him doing that continuously throughout the season that the linebackers blitz or you have, like you said, um, Bothroy chasing the quarterback and then Ethan Downs comes out of nowhere and trips him up and gets the sack. I'm anticipating a lot of Ethan Downs in that one uh, this game uh, in this season. But I can totally see Bothroy leading us in that. Okay, top tackler at the linebacker position. Wondering who's gonna who's gonna be the one that's gonna lead us the way at the linebacker spot. Got to be Danny Stutzman, right? I um, mean, he led the conference in tackles last year. Um, you know, I think he's gonna have a uh, another big role this year. We'll see. I mean, I you know, playing that will position, maybe he um, you know moves back to Mike. Um, you know, I know there's been some talk of that. He could kind of play both positions if he goes to Mike and they bring in Kip Lewis. My new pick will be Kip Lewis, but. If he stays at the will, I think it's going to be Danny. Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, Stutzman probably saw the box score and saw four tackles and felt like it was easier than a practice. Um, <laughs> I just, there was so much, there was so much out there. Like the the fire drill just wasn't happening, you know, pre-snap fire drill. That was that, you know, you saw a lot last year. And so I fully expect for him just to make it in there, especially if the defensive line is collapsing on stuff. And, uh, you know, Brent Venables is probably still going to not unleash a majority of the playbook. I got to think that they know what they're going to be able to get after. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Stutzman, I, I just don't see it. Unless it's a, a decent blowout and we see, you know, one of the backups in there for a decent amount of time. Um, you know, because I'd like to see more of, you know, Pachati. Uh, Lewis Carter, um, Kip Lewis, uh, Kobe McKenzie. I'd like to see a lot more of those guys and get them some more time. Um, and, you know, Justin Harrington's not a bad choice either because, I mean, the, you know, you saw him up around the line of scrimmage quite a bit. I kind of want to see Lewis Carter go out there like a missile that he is and really level somebody. But if I got to pick one, I'm I'm with George. I think it's Stutzman. I think he's looking at that number, like you just said, Coop, that I got four tackles and that's it. Nah, I, I got to up my game, and I can see him trying to go for double digits. 
problem is, is that if things go the way that we anticipate, he's not going to play that much anyway. So last one, wide receiver. Who is going to be Dylan Gabriel's favorite wide out in this game? Andrew Anthony. I think he's going to be his favorite. I think he's going to be his favorite receiver this season. Um, I think he's going to end up leading the team in receiving yards. You know, Dylan loves the deep ball. Uh, this offense loves the deep ball, and Andrew Andrell is is their guy right now uh, at that spot. So I'm rolling with Andrell. Uh, I think he's going to have a big year. Um, I think like 700, 800 yards receiving, a handful of touchdowns. So I think he's uh, I think he's the guy. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree with that after, like I said, after watching a little bit of D.D. Westbrook film and then looking at him, it's you know, there's a difference in playing a nobody and just getting out there and getting open. We didn't even see that from, you know, anybody last year. Uh, I want to think that maybe a little bit earlier in the game this week, we see them trying to really get uh, Jalil Farouk involved because he had the one catch and um, it, it looked really, really good. But, I mean, you know, he just barely off the fingertips for which could have been, I think, maybe the second touchdown or first touchdown at that point. But, I mean, it was Dylan's first incompletion. But, you know, I, I think they want to get him going. The thing is with this receiver room, if you have Jaden Gibson do something similar to what he did, you have Anderson do something similar to what he did, you have G Freaky out there going crazy, you have Stoops out here doing what he does, uh, Jalil gets a few, you don't have to really rely on any one person. And with the speed that you can go sideline to sideline, you know, you got guys, even like Jaquez Petaway, he had nine catches. You know, I think that Jay, you and I during the game, we're, we're talking a little bit. Um, I think, but I think Andrew Anthony, he just is, he's different. And I think that he comes here and I think that he has a, a light switch that's turned on with him. And I think the sky's the limit for him. He has that DD Westbrook uh, and he's bigger and a little bit stronger but he has that type of gallop to him that when he gets past the linebackers, like he just, he sees green and he goes for it. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And this team is there. It looks completely different than it did last year. That's the thing I'm the most excited about. And so score prediction, George, what's the final score, man, this is tough. Um, I will say 48 to 31. Um, and again, I think that it's kind of high scoring early. Um, and then I think OU kind of pulls away late. But uh, I do think SMU can score enough points to hang around for a bit. Interesting. Coop, you got confidence like that? Um, I, I see I see this team really just taking it to a new level. Um, you know, what did I say? 55 to 12 last week. Um, and obviously I was wrong on both of those accounts. Uh, so I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 63, 10. Um, I, wow. I, that'd be, I, I that'd be like, a hell of a performance. <laughs> and you saw the AP, you know, you saw ESPN put you at number four, um, in that one ranking. And I, I just really believe that this team is going to consistently push, push, push. And, um, when, when you, if you have Barnes and Sawchuck, um, out there, you know, throwing deep passes is one thing, but when they start loosening up, I mean, that's what Levy's trying to do. He's trying to loosen them up to where they don't know which way to go. And I think that the team speed this year is just at a different level. Wow. Yeah. You, you really went all out on that one. My score, I'm going 42 to seven. I think we do give up a garbage time touchdown, but I think that this team defensively fights 
to keep this uh, keep a shutout going. I think that that's something that they want. I loved reading uh, the article on the the uh, the the first and second stringers yelling at the third stringers. Mm-hmm. Telling them, hey, keep this shutout. Keep this shutout. Keep pushing that shutout. Keep pushing. I just love hearing it. That's culture right there. That's a culture change. Something that we've talked about. You know, we we go all, you know, in detail about how the culture has changed here. But no, that is a true culture change to me. If you you see players working, pushing each other to be great and saying, hey, we got to keep this shutout because we want to keep these numbers looking good. And so I anticipate that uh, happening this year. So all right, well, we're going to wrap this bad boy up, put a bow on it, let everybody get to uh, their evenings. George, thank you so much for pulling up and joining the family. We appreciate it. Hopefully we can get you back on sometime midseason because I know you're super swamped as you are uh, doing the real reporting out there in the streets. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This was a blast. Um, yeah, anytime, just let me know. We will. George, we will. Tell, tell everybody where they can find you at uh, and all of your counterparts. Yeah, no, you can find uh, my work at Soonerscoop.com. Um, we're, act- we're actually running a promo right now. You can sign up, get 50% off. Uh, lots of great content over there, whether it's recruiting or reporting on the new basketball arena, um, you know, all that good stuff. My Gavin Freeman feature, whenever that goes out, stuff like that. Um, but you can also just find me on Twitter at George Stoya. I like to think uh, I am full of good info, but also just a funny follow. I think I, you know, Carrie's trying to get me to get my – followers up um and so please please go follow me so i can keep my job uh but uh but yeah that's where you can find me it's just my name s-t-o-i-a yeah he's killing it over there on in the uh on the twitter jokes they're 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 great so you need to follow him for that also he drops out some amazing nuggets every single game and it's totally worth your time to at least follow him for the nuggets i mean if if not for the jokes follow him for the nuggets because there's gonna be a nugget and you're gonna be like ooh. I did not re- realize that. So that and uh, complaining about the press box food. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is uh, anti George, press box food. George, George, are you uh, are you perma in charge of the Sooner Scoop uh, Twitter during uh, during the games? I know Carrie is probably banned from it. No, yeah, no, that's all Carrie, man. He is uh, really. He is he is running the show on that. So uh, I don't think I I don't even have a login for that, uh, and I don't think I'll ever be <laughs> okay. a, lo- a login for that. But. Uh, but yeah, no, that's all Carrie. All right. <laughs> well, we appreciate you pulling up. And everybody, thank y'all for pulling up to the channel. Please hit that like button if you're new to the channel. Subscribe. Go check out Sooner Scoop. Go check out George's work. He, like I said, fantastic writing. He always takes and drops some great articles and some great nuggets when he tweets. So help get his Twitter followers up too. We need to take care of my man there. And uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this, rate, review, give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it. Just give us five anyway and gift it. So with that, we'll chop it up with all of you, I don't know, in a couple of days. Peace.